Welcome, everyone, to the eight. I don't know if this still exists, actually, at Atlantic Station. Have you guys heard of the Bodies exhibit? Does it still, is it still there? It's not there. Okay, I, I remember going there a lot. I think it was in high school or college. So um, it's really, really, really cool. So the Bodies exhibit, for those who have never been, like you have these, like, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Some of them are, are cadavers. Some are, um, you know, designed by artists for us to see the ins and outs of the body. And one cool thing that they have there is, um, like, you see a lot of real brain. Like, you see, you see, you see a real brain. Um, so I wanted to share some really cool, interesting facts um, about this. Parents, you might really like this, especially if you have teenagers. Your brain, here's tr your three random facts that I learned. Your brain isn't fully formed until you are 25 years old. Your brain is not fully formed and so, so, so if next time you're a teenager, because you are a time, you can say, well, your brain is still developing, so I'm going to say the final word. Point number two is your brain storage capacity is virtually unlimited. Your brain capacity is virtually unlimited. I felt like in college, especially graduate school, I felt like no, there's, I can't take it anymore. I get, there's no more room. But supposedly, according to science, it is virtually unlimited, right? <laughs> so the human brain consists of... 86 billion neurons, 86 billion neurons. So if you're all into numbers, here's a couple other ones. Each neuron forms connections to other neurons, which could add up to, I hope I say this right, one quadrillion connections, which is 1,000 trillion connections. Over time, these neurons can combine, increasing your storage capacity. So just as we increase the storage capacity in our computers and our phone, we can also supposedly increase our storage capacity and our brain. So it's a muscle that we continue to work out. And I, for, according to science, it's unlimited, but um, I, my school grades beg to differ. But point number three, a piece of brain tissue, the size of a grain, the size of a grain, a piece of brain tissue the size of a grain, a grain of sand, sorry, a grain of sand, 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 the little thing that gets in your eye, sand, contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses. And a grain of, of sand, a grain of sand has 1 billion synapses occurring in just something, such a puny little piece of our brain. But from our brain and all these synapses happening in this neurological control center that we call the brain, so many things stem, or come, end up coming from our brain. All, all different thoughts, worst case scenario, so many things, everything begins from happening in our brain. Let me begin with this disclaimer. Even if you're all in to Jesus and all into Christianity, or maybe you're here just to try to give it a shot. You're listening to this or watching this and you're kind of like one foot in or just somebody had paid you to watch this or somebody paid you to be here, whatever the case might be. If you're all into science or all into theology, what I'm going to share with you for the next 15, 20 minutes is applicable to both. This is applicable to any worldview and I will share with you why. You already know this. I'm not going to emphasize this, but you already get this. Our thoughts and our beliefs, right? So everything begins in our thoughts. And then from our thoughts, 
this triggers a, a feeling, it triggers an emotion, but it begins with some synapses occurring that begin a thought that leads to a feeling. From those feelings, we end up taking certain actions one way or another based off those feelings which are based on our thoughts and our beliefs. And eventually, all of that leads to results. So in other words, again, you already know this. If you're feeling something, that means you have already thought about it. The feelings don't come out of nowhere. That means you've thought about it. So this is the natural order, again, regardless if you're all about theology, all about spirituality, or you're all about the sciences, in either case, and ideally, let me just put this out just, to, just in case you misunderstand me. In the full Christian, the original version of Christianity, we're all about 100% science, 100% about philosophy, 100% about the disciplines, 100% about the, uh, spirituality. All of it goes together. This is why our biggest theologians and spiritual leaders of the church were scientists, were philosophers, were in arts, were in the sciences. They were all that. So this is the, the, the holistic being in which we are trying to pursue to be. So again... It, it, regardless of your worldview right now, you, you and I agree with this. But I'll tell you what, you, again, I think you know this already. Society does an awesome job, awesome job, and we are bombarded by this every time we scroll or watch something. Society does an awesome job of blurring the, two, the first two together, that our thoughts on our feelings are blurred in all together. I mean, just look at commercials. Like, commercials are trying to spark one thing, especially movie trailers. I love movie trailers. But if you look at any commercial, any trailer, you're trying to spark one thing, an emotion. They're trying to spark a certain emotion, a certain feeling that they want you to eventually to lead act to action, which in most cases, the action is give us your money, right? So every, every marketing scheme, every board meeting for any marketer, they're trying to get one thing. What emotion are we trying to spark? It's not about giving data or facts. It's not to, 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 to spark more neurological synapses to occur just in your logic. No, the whole idea is for the, to spark you to have an emotion. Songs, we get this, we get this. We all love certain songs because it just resonates with us. It gets us moving either by the, by the, by the, the instruments or even by the text, right? I mean, think about this. There's no song is going to spark or hit us at a deep level if it's not based off of emotions. If it's just logical, it's not going to spark something within us. I'll give you an example. Imagine if Celine Dion in the 90s said, my brain will go on. No, she said, my, my heart, come on, is that old? My heart will go on, right? Everything is trying to spark an emotion. And this is why it was a big hit. Imagine if Tony Braxton said, you know what? I have the perfect, uh, perfect lyrics. This song is going to go viral. It's going to be, people are going to sing it for decades. Unbreak my brain. Imagine if she said that. No, but it's unbreak my, you guys want me to sing it? No, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna, no, you guys will walk out of here if I do that. But all these songs are there to spark an emotion from us. They're all there to spark an emotion in us. Think about this. Even in what's a common predominant worldview, this very open-minded, which we should all be open-minded. But now we have taken it where there's no boundaries at all in, in, in a post-Christian America. Do what's true to you. And I talk about this weekly because I want us to be aware of what surrounds us. Do what's true to your heart, what's true to you. Be true to your essence. Be true to your core. All of this is sparking from an emotion. Don't answer this out loud. But do you make big life decisions based off emotions? If you decide to go for an extra dessert, yeah, maybe that's an emotional, and maybe you deal with that consequence later on. That's you at home and your stomach hurts and all that. You and I have been there. But do you make big life decisions based off emotions? I don't think any of us do. 
even when you hear people in relationships, and I try to be as sensitive as possible, when people say, well, we just, we have great chemistry together. We just, we just get along. I want to be like, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you mean you have good chemistry? Like, well, we both like, you know, this restaurant. I don't care how, that's not going to take you far in your relationship. But so maybe we have been, we've gotten stuck in that in ourselves in a, in a previous relationship, or we see people around it that is purely being driven by emotion. All that's going to evolve. All that's going to change. Her favorite color is going to change. She really likes this about you now. I promise you in six months, that's going to change. All that evolves when it's being purely driven by emotion and you're unable to think. It's all, if these two become blurred, then this is sometimes, unfortunately, people make irreversible decisions when it's being driven by emotions. And with all respect to every version of Christianity, with the utmost respect to every version of Christianity, some versions of Christianity is, has one mission of how when you come into church, how can I spark the utmost emotion in you? Which, again, with respect. And emotions are healthy. I want to make, sh I want to make sure I we all understand. This is, this, is, this is how God designed us. So it is a beautiful thing. But it needs to be in order of how we are designed. It needs, I need to make sure that I'm not being emotionally driven, but I need to make sure that I'm spirit-led. And you to my logic, I need to utilize every aspect of who I am in sync. But when I'm only being driven in any type of relationships, either this vertical relationship or a horizontal relationship, when it's purely being driven by emotion... That has an expiration date. This has an expiration date. This is why I love one of my questions when people are dating. I said, you know, tell me how are the butterflies in the stomach? Once the butterflies are kind of done, okay, then we can get into talking more to the head. But when it's all about the butterflies and the feelings, okay, cool, yeah, tell me about it, you know, his favorite food. Tell me about how cute he looks in that shirt. Sure, let's talk about all that. Let's get all that out of the way. And then after all that kind of settles, then let's talk about logic. What are you both anchored in? Because that's the thing that's going to get you through all the, the roller coaster of marriage and the, and the relationship. So w let's talk about that. But, let, but sometimes we are driven purely by emotion. Sometimes that leads into issues. And I think we can all agree on that. So this is a map that I'm showing here. And this kind of highlights some of the places in which uh, the greatest missionary by the name of Paul the Apostle went on. So you see he went to Antioch, he went to Greece and Athens, but he went to Athens, uh, sorry, he went to Ephesus as well. And I want to share with you something that really kind of broke his heart and kind of got him like, you know, got him moving a little bit. St. Paul, he noticed in Ephesus that people were extremely passive about following Jesus after the resurrection. They're like, this is so cool. Like, we're not just following some theoretical deity. We're not following something just like out there. No, that, that, that God put on a bod and then has restored, has overcome death. He has trampled down death by his own death. He has redefined hope. He has redefined life. He has redefined death. He has new definition to everything. And everyone was gung-ho about it in the beginning in Ephesus. And all of a sudden it began to fade out. And people began to become extremely passive about their, their pursuit of Jesus. They said, okay, I want a little bit of Jesus, but not too much. I want Jesus in this aspect of my life, but not my finances. I want an aspect of, I want Jesus a little bit in this, in this part of my life, but this thing, no, 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 this, no, no, not, not even my, my closest people to me know about this. I don't, I don't need Jesus in this. So this began to become more predominant in Ephesus. So St. Paul wanted to make sure that they understood that there is synergy. There is reconciliation. There is unity between man and God. There is no more division. But man was creating, was creating this wedge again between God and man. That has been abolished through the God-man, 
Jesus. This was a, a common classic title given to Jesus, especially philosophers. They would title Jesus as being the God-man, God-man, the God-man. So there was the synergy between humanity and divinity, but the people of Ephesus began to lose sight of that. So that started to break St. Paul's heart, so he wrote down these beautifully structured six chapters. But again, when he's writing, he's not writing in chapter format. We eventually later did that for our organization purposes. But he wrote in six chapters. The first three, the first half of his letter is all plural. We, we, we are one. We have over, we have conquered down death because of what Jesus has occurred. It's we, it's us together. And then the second half is him trying to convict us, saying, you have to take off the old. You have to put on the new. He's speaking to the heart. He's trying to personally convict the people of Ephesus. So this is how he, he structured it. And what I want to share with you is the second half of what he wrote to Ephesus, uh, to the Ephesians there, these early Christian converts. This is what he said in the fourth chapter. He said, put off. He said, put off concerning your former conduct. The old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And again, this passage was from today in the liturgy. This was the epistle that we read today. Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Why? Shouldn't it be, I should be renewed in spirit? Shouldn't it all be about those nice feelings inside? I need to be renewed in spirit and soul. Right? Those seems like good spiritual churchy words. Why can't I say that? Like, why is, it, why is he saying, be renewed in your mind? What, why? Like, it, it, I, I don't pursue Jesus by my logic. Shouldn't it all be about the heart? So what is St. Paul getting at? Again, he's saying, you have to take off the old former conduct. Put, take off the old man, which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust. He's like, you have, been, you have fallen into deception. You have determined what is right or wrong for you. You have begun to justify why you can overreact. You begin to justify why you can get angry. You have justified why you can ignore that person. You have begun to justify, you have built a narrative of why you're always right and that person's always wrong. He's like, take off that, those deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying, you need to put, you were created to be this new man. This was your original design. But deception has drifted us, has ripped us apart. No, but all, we are supposed to be in sync with God. We are originally designed to be in righteousness and holy. You were designed originally to be holy and divine. So St. Paul's trying to remind them, you have to take off that old person. That old person that's all about you, that selfishness, that has to be taken off. That anger part of you, that has to, you have to take it off in order for you to put on. You can't just say, I want more Jesus, and that's it. No, something has to be come off in order for you to put on. In order for me to put on your clothes. I need to take this off to put on something new, right? So he's saying the same thing. You have, you have to take off the old in order to put on the new. But again, why is he beginning with the brain? For you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's connect the dots between other letters in which St. Paul wrote. I want to share with you another letter that he wrote to the city of Corinth, Greece. He told them this. The weapons we fight with. He's trying to tell them that we're in a warfare. The things that are fighting our mind. The anxiety. The overreaction. That what if this happens? What if that happens? All those thoughts that control us and keep us captive and enslave us. He's saying, I, he, he, he wanted to tell them about our offensive tactic. Our game plan. He says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
He's saying the weapons for you to be able to calm those thoughts of anxiety is not you Googling what's the chances of this happening. This is not going to help you relieve that anxiety or that. So that's not going to help put those thoughts. It's not going to suppress those thoughts. He says the weapons we fight, we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? Like he's being so articulate. He's so gifted as a communicator. A stronghold is something that just holds you back. It's just holding on to you. You, you just feel like you can't get, get rid of that thought. And we all have felt hopeless at times. Maybe we do now. Like, I can't get over this. This thought is just ripping me down. This habit is ripping me down. It's a stronghold that's trying to rip us apart from our original divine design. The contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Think about the thought that holds you. What if I will never get that job? What if I will never get married? What if I never get better? What if I'm always going to be in this state? What if she will always be in this state? What if I'm always going to have this addiction? Those thoughts that hold you. What if you took those thoughts and thought more about the thought? And you took that thought and made it captive to the God-man. If I take the words of St. Paul, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it's fine if you are not all into this. But Jesus is the embodiment of the fullness of divinity and the fullness of humanity to restore all of us broken human beings. And he's saying every thought that kind of drifts us away, that kind of just keeps us up at night, that just raises our blood pressure, that just puts a wedge between us and our relationships. What if that, that wedge that's within us, we take that thought and we need to think about what we are thinking about. Think about what you are thinking about. Those what ifs, those things that come in that kind of just enslave us. Think about what you're thinking about. Am I, like, where did that thought come from? Like, I'm so concerned. Like, wh where did that thought come from? What made me start thinking about this? Why, like, did something trigger this thought? Think about what you are thinking about. And then take it, analyze it, dissect it, rip it apart. And then ask yourself, am I, oh, am I taking this thought how am I taking this thought and making, making it obedient to the fullness of life? Am I taking that thought and am I, make, am I submitting that? We perceive it, either good or bad, and then we believe it. We, take, we receive a thought that comes to our mind. We, let it, we chew it in our mind. Then we, 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 we build a perception around it, maybe to our own selfish needs or a, th a thing that just holds us captive. It's a stronghold that rips us apart and it just holds us down. We receive a thought, we perceive it, and then we end up believing it. Yeah, you know what? I'm never going to get past this, this issue. I'm always gonna have this, I'm always gonna have this problem. I'm always gonna be in this state. I'm always, I'm, no, I'm never gonna find anybody. I'm always gonna be stuck in this career. I'm always gonna be stuck in this health condition. I'm always gonna be stuck in this situation. We end up believing it. But let's rewind. When you receive that thought, begin from there. Before that seed begins to grow and take root, analyze <laughs> analyze that thought like there's no tomorrow. Where did that thought come from? And St. Paul's encouraging us, take that thought and make it obedient to the fullness of life. Take that thought 
captive, you know, hold, hold on to that thought, make it captive, and overanalyze that thought. Where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? This, so this, you and I can agree on this. We receive a thought, we begin to perceive it, it could be either good or bad, and we end up believing it. And we end up making life decisions based on what we believe. And then when someone tells you, why, did you, why are you thinking about that about yourself? Why do you think that's going to happen? No, it's just as it is. It becomes cemented in us. That narrative begins to become embedded within us. And it's so hard to break that because over so many weeks, months, years sometimes, we've just begun to believe ourselves of that. And we feel that there's no hope. This is just the way it is. And, 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 and we, it's, it's so hard for people to break through that. You and I can relate to this. But this is what St. Paul actually tells us. Receive the thought. And then research it. Why am I thinking this way? Where, where is that thought coming from? Receive the thought. Research it. And then replace it with what God has called you to be. Receive it. Research it. And then replace it. So I want us to think more about the thought. Before it leads to an action. Before we end up saying something that hurts ourselves and hurts others. Overanalyze the thought. This is why in ancient Christianity, the idea of daily introspection, daily introspection, where we're continuing to look inside to see our flaws, why even liturgical expressions of where we're saying, I have sinned and I'm greeting one another, I'm knowing that I'm weak. When I continue to acknowledge that I am flawed, this allows me to see that, yeah, there are thoughts that I need to take captive and I need to put to death and I need to resurrect with Christ. I need to put him on as opposed to my own thoughts. I need to take off that old man and put on the new. And this language is so predominant in our hymnology of the church. Even on midnight praises. Yeah, go ahead. Where do I research what? So, so one way to research the thought, great question, is, is even to write it down. Sometimes when we're, we get lost on a car ride, in bed, like, and those thoughts end up just just raising our blood pressure and it's hard for us to sleep. Take paper and pen and write down those thoughts. I am feeling X. I feel Y. Write down those thoughts. I feel this because of this. If you can complete the other half, it'd be great. I feel anxious because this. I feel lonely because X. Just write, like, analyze those thoughts. If I take St. Paul's words, I need to receive it. I need to research it. But eventually I need to replace it. But, but put emphasis on the research part. I need, I need to receive it. Where did that thought come from? And then I need to dissect it and rip it apart. Where, 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 where did that come from? Why am I, am I thinking like this? Why is this thought holding me captive? I need to research it. But like I said, this, this element of spirituality is so predominant in Orthodox Christianity. Even on Saturday evenings, as, as we tr translate from old life to new life, from end of a week to beginning of a new week, there is something titled Midnight Praises. And it's not necessarily done at midnight, 12 midnight, but it's done on Saturday evenings, including other uh, prayers that begin at 7 p.m. But th during those praises, there's a, 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 a hymn in which we chant, Lord, we take off the old man and we put on the new and superior one. And it's, it's coming from scripture. And it's also where we, we recite Bible stories and narratives to remind us that we're going from old to new, taking off the old and putting on the new. We follow the Israelites going from old life and crossing the Red Sea and getting new life. We follow the three young, uh, the three young men who were in, the, burn, in the, the, the fiery furnace. They went from old life and they gained new life. So in the same way, we are in that journey continually. And it's even emphasized even more between Saturday and Sunday for us to be able to translate from old life to new. But we need to ask ourselves, what is that thought? We need to receive that thought, embrace it, write it down, 
and ask yourself, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I, I want to end with another note in which St. Paul writes to the Philippians. He says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So how do we fight those battles of those negative thoughts that rip us apart? If St. Paul is saying to renew our life has to begin in the mind, if, if, if we're going to follow what St. Paul is telling us, which is embedded all throughout the church and what Jesus continued to preach as well, if we're going to let it begin with the mind, then St. Paul is saying, okay, then meditate and, 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 and surround yourself with those healthy things. Go tonight. And those YouTube channels, those people you follow on social media that do put those negative thoughts, unfollow them. No one is, is twisting your arm for you to follow them. Do you scroll away and you, every time you see those influencers, those, those videos, it just rips you apart. It pulls you down. It makes you feel like your life is, is nothing compared to them. Unfollow them. Stop watching them. If you need accountability, you find someone who can keep you accountable for you to stop watching that. Those thoughts is what is being embedded within us. And then passively, without us even researching it, we end up believing it and becomes embedded in us. So I want, imagine, imagine if you just followed this as far as your screen time is concerned. Whatever things are noble and pure and just and lovely and of good report, meditate on this, read those blogs, watch those videos, watch, follow those people. Imagine if that was the case. Imagine what you and I would feel like. Imagine how our kids would feel if, if this was, if this was their, their model before they just start falling and scrolling away until they can't sleep, until they can't, until, until they have nothing else to do. Imagine. Imagine if this is what we followed. What if we, at least maybe today, what is noble? What, what, what is pure? What is just for you? Forget you, with all respect. What is, what is the highest ethic of lovely and noble and just to what your heavenly father says is? It's not for us to decide. Why don't I ask the creator of the universe what is noble and just for me? Why don't I ask my maker? This laptop breaks. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm going to break it even more. I'm going to call Apple. I, let me ask the designer of it. How do I fix it? If our thoughts are off, why do I need to figure out myself? Nothing wrong with self-help. But I mean, as a broad term, it all depends on the context of it. Self-help is good and awesome. But why don't I connect and partner with self-help with the, the founder of me? Why don't I connect self-help with, with him? A constant. The one who is above time who created me in my mother's womb, who's wanting to me to do amazing things through me. Why don't I tap into that reality? In our ancient prayers, especially in the Egbeya, which is a personal prayer book that guides us in personal prayer, a common language is saying, purify our thoughts. Purify our thoughts. It's not about all about heart and soul and that's about it. It's the thoughts, because it all begins from the thoughts. Imagine if our prayer was just, God, purify my thoughts. That electrical synapse between that neuron and that neuron just keeps on getting me into trouble. And it keeps on ruining, like, it just brings up arguments in my marriage and other relationships because that thought, I'm captive to that thought. Lord, I'm coming to you wanting to surrender that thought, that, that, that synapse, that, 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 that thing in my brain, I'm wanting to surrender that and make that captive to you. 
I'm wanting to surrender. And then I want to replace that. And I want to find what is noble, what is just, what is of good report, what is lovely. I want to pursue that. So it's not like the more I'm embedding myself into what is lovely and pure, which is the life of the church, which is healthy, edifying relationships, is following healthy and edifying people on social media. This is where I'm able to fight the good fight. This is where I'm able to fight those negative thoughts. You and I here, listen to your feelings, go with your guts. Yeah, just listen to what's in your heart. Sure, I'm, that's fine. But listen to those, listen to that gut feeling and let that lead to your thoughts. Fine, you use whatever language you want that kind of sounds cool and like awesome. Sure, listen to your gut. But let listening to your gut lead to you leading to your thoughts. Where did that really come from? Why do I really like this person? Why do I really don't? Why do I, am I really doing this? Why did I really say that? Analyze those thoughts. If you and I believe, and I think we all agree, everything stems from our thoughts. Why don't we put more intentionality of dissecting and analyzing our thoughts so that way everything that stems from it makes us better people? Let's stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we come to you with our anxiety, with our worries, with our thoughts that for some of us enslave us, just keep us captive. But Lord, we come wanting to surrender our entire being to you, wanting to surrender to you our flaws, our weakness, our sins, our thoughts, coming to you, wanting to pray the words that you have given us throughout the church, throughout the centuries, for us to purify our thoughts. Lord, you are the physician of our souls, bodies, and spirits. And we come to you not wanting to be led by those thoughts or even our feelings, but wanting to surrender all of that to you being the source of life. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.